0: Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone.
1: Ladies and gents, Tyson Popplestone here. What is going on? I hope you've all had a really good week. Thanks for being here. I mean, I'm glad to have you here. Today on the show, we've got a friend of mine from Southern Oregon, a bloke by the name of David Meta. Now, I've known Dave for about 10 years now, and I've always appreciated his ability just to go and get after things. He just likes the psychological torture that comes with so many of the challenges that he sets for himself. And his ultra endurance challenges, ultra endurance runs are no exception to that. So today, I wanted to get him on the show to unpack why it is that he's so attracted to these races. He's training currently for a 200 mile race, next year in the United States and he's done six or seven other ultras um, and other crazy challenges like running marathons barefoot and I mean you're going to get exposed to some of the stories here but I wanted to know the philosophy behind why he does what he does what's the inspiration Um, what keeps him coming back there for more and I'm pretty sure that a lot of us in the distance running scene are not going to be too shocked to or we're not going to have trouble relating to some of what he speaks about but I mean he takes it to a new level he's like a Dion Finocchiaro here in Australia, who just loves the challenge of pushing his body harder for longer. So there's a couple of times there where I even thought, oh my goodness, I've got to lift my game. And I like people like that. I like people encouraging me to uh, step outside what's comfortable and challenge myself even more. So I hope you're really encouraged by this. Two quick things. Don't forget our Falls Creek run experience is happening for a week in December up at Falls Creek. So, hey, wherever you are in the world, we've still got a few spots left. We've also just released our 2023 AFL preseason training program. So, if you're an Australian, you know someone who plays footy or coaches footy, men, women, any level, any fitness level, they're just trying to improve their running performance. Jump across to relaxrunning.com. Follow the link to the AFL preseason guide and uh, hey, jump on board there. Any questions about that also, just let me know. But for now, that's enough from me. Let me get out of your way. Well, I'm introducing myself technically, but who I want you to meet is the man I'm talking to. His name is David Mehta. Good to see you again, brother. It's only been a few oh, weeks, which is which is very strange for, for us to say, because for, for those of you listening, Dave and I hadn't seen each other face-to-face since I think it was 2013 or 2014 until about six yeah. weeks ago. So I like to assume that this is going to become like a regular habit and not just a podcast episode, but an excuse for a catch-up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Love that idea.
1: It's been a little while, man. How's things going the last couple of weeks since I saw your good-looking face?
0: Oh, it's been good. I, uh, I've i been hitting hard on the uh, training that I have for Tahoe 200, which is coming up next summer. And uh, I hired a coach for that, which is good because I am not a runner. And uh, so that's been good. I've been starting to feel stronger and living the life of a single dad and having a good time with it. So
1: Very nice. Yeah, that's one thing I was interested because in, we were playing table tennis in Oregon about six weeks ago now. And you said, "Hey, I'm curious to to pick your brain about the ultra marathon scene." And I said, "Hey, don't come to me about ultra marathons because I want to learn about ultra marathons from you. I've got a general idea of what's involved in running an ultra, but part of the reason I'm so fascinated by people like yourself is because ultra marathons just terrify me. Like I ran one marathon and it was a very ugly experience and and when we were uh when we were having a chat uh, in in Medford a couple of couple of weeks ago, the fact that I think you mentioned this Tahoe 200 to me the fact that you're looking for a coach. Um, I didn't realize it was next year. So what you've still got, you've got plenty of time to train for it, huh?
0: I think so. And on the concept of uh, ultra marathons being terrifying, they terrify me too. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's part of the appeal. That's part of what I love about you is, and we'll get into this soon as well. You're the kind of guy that the, the psychological appeal of these physical challenges is, I'm guessing probably even more of an appeal than the actual physical struggle that you're going to have to go through. I guess they're, they're sort of so tightly interwoven that it's a, uh, you know, it's a beautiful combination, but but walk us through the process of getting a coach and, and sort of what you've been doing for training for the first, is it a couple of weeks? You guys have been working together.
0: Uh, we're actually on week six now already. Um, it's been flying by, but you know, it's been interesting after we talked, when you're here, I um, started thinking more about training and uh, really, diving into your podcast even more. I've been learning two things. One is that I appreciate the podcast. I'm definitely a fan of your podcast now. Uh, Second point is I think I'm the first guy you've talked to that weighs in at over 180 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm happy to represent the plus size runners in your sphere of influence. Um, But yeah, so I hired the coach and this is my first time having a coach. Um, besides the cross country and track and field that I did in high school. And honestly, it's been one of the best things ever. Um, It's more intensive than any of the coaching I've ever gotten. We're just taking data, looking at my runs. He's able to tune my training plan. He's even looking at things like sleep, total elevation gain and loss, uh, paces, heart rate, cadence, all sorts of different numbers that play into it. So um, honestly, it's been great. And even – three weeks into it, I was feeling so much stronger.
1: That's awesome, man. It's one of those sports as well. I always say it's interesting speaking to different people about the sport because so many people get excited about different things. And and one of the things you can get excited about in the world of distance running is all the little numbers and measurements and online tools that exist today from, you know, Garmin to, I use a training program with my athletes called Training Peaks, which just gives you such insight into Uh, a lot of the things you just said from heart rate to distance, to speed, to recovery, to sleep. I uh, always laugh because I had a friend stay with me in London one night and uh, that sounded more sexual than it was supposed to. It was just a friend. (laughs) We were just catching up. And uh, he stayed at our place (laughs) and he woke up that morning and uh, he goes, Hey pops, guess what? I go, what? He goes, I got a PB for sleep. I said, okay, this is a ridiculous concept. Like the fact that we're in a world now where you can be setting PBs for an eight hour sleep is is really interesting. But how, do you, how do you enjoy yeah. all the uh, the little intricate <clears throat> details? Do you like getting caught up on the numbers and,
0: and having a look at, at what they're sort of offering you? Yeah, sort of. Um, you know, a lot of ultra runners are not inclined that way. Um, I listened to an interview with Courtney Dalwalter. Do you know her? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's a pretty big name American ultra runner, and she was on Rogan's podcast about five years ago. And what's significant about that podcast was that it was – incredibly boring (laughs) rogan first of all rogan was on something so he was completely wired and second (laughs) courtney yeah he was completely focused on this idea she must have some sort of magical plan or supplement or something that's making her so successful and over and over again she just said yeah basically just like uh nachos and beer and i eat a lot of it and i just run pretty far (laughs) that's pretty much what the podcast came down to so I know people like her are very inclined towards numbers, um, but that's one of the things I've enjoyed learning about from you and your podcast is the focus on systems. And I'm in the process of developing more systems for my life um, because we all have systems, they're just not all good systems. Um, And Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that garbage in equals garbage out. Um, So I enjoy taking things like total elevation gain on a run and applying that data to improve in future runs. So I guess to answer your question, yeah, I I do enjoy that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a funny point you make about uh, uh, Courtney and the ultra distance running scene because I think you're new enough to it and not obsessed enough with it to not fit into the category of, being the stereotype of uh, boring sorry to all you ultra marathon runners listening to this I don't mean this personally but I mean some things we just have to own up to Um, and I think runners in general have a reputation in in many places of not being the most exciting I guess it's when you don't really know a runner and you look at it from the outside over here um, the the Australian Football League has a reputation you know uh, probably well deserved for being a bit of a boys club and then I was really nervous going from the world of distance running when I retired back in 2013 to the football world because I thought, oh, I'm just not a boy's boy, I don't think. And I got down there and it was like a a, a pleasant surprise how nice the guys were. And, um, you know, you have a couple of Muppets, but <laughs> that's with any sure. group of people. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely can appreciate where you're coming from with the uh, the ultra distance running scene and and the fact you have to be a little bit boring. But it's <clears> kind <throat> of not a surprise, I guess, because it I guess it attracts that introvert kind of personality that person who is you know pretty happy to spend hours and hours by themselves and just enjoy their own company and as i said i was sort of keen to pick your mind around a couple of these things because anyone who knows you even a little bit appreciates the fact that uh, you've got a real appreciation for the the psychological challenge that comes with you know whatever physical uh, effort that you're, you're going to be putting in there and is that sort of part of the appeal of of this tahoe race for you? Like what was the motivation for you to go, all right, I'm going to give this a go.
0: Uh, well, I had a couple beers and <laughs> I put my name in for the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, that was the motivation. I, I had applied last year. There's so many people that apply, they do a lottery. And I, to my knowledge, most of the people that got accepted at the Tahoe 200 had a pretty good running pedigree. I'm not one of those people by any stretch of the imagination, so I did not think I was going to get in, and uh, I did. So, but yeah, the, on the psychological side, I think that is it, you, you described it pretty well. People that are okay with being alone and in their mind for quite a long time and churning out the miles, and so that's one thing I wanted to ask you: why why do ultras not a, appeal to you, or maybe they do, you just haven't done them yet.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, the, the fact was, um, I, was a better, I was a better sort of middle distance runner. So I think my, my little purple patch, my sweet spot was between I didn't have a super, super high top end speed. But then if you put me on a marathon start line, I don't think I was necessarily the most talented or, or even putting in the most effort to the endurance side of training. So I always felt like when I got to an event like a 1500 or a 3K up to sort of a 5K, I was in my real sweet spot. And I think more than anything, it was just because I, I felt as though I tapped into a little sweet spot that even the curiosity when I was running seriously to go out and do an ultra wasn't that high. I, I can honestly say like I reckon that the conversation around ultra marathons have become way more appealing to me since I finished running. And I think it's uh, because like you, and I think this is why why we get on so well is I think we both, we, we both like a challenge. We both like to put our body to the limits and test that. And I always felt like I was getting a, a fairly good dose of that when I was competing as a middle distance runner, but now that I'm not, um, I mean, I got my stand up comedy, which is like a, a little bit of an outlet in terms of, uh, you know, maybe more of a mental challenge and a challenge to my ego. But there's no real physical challenge that I have. So the idea of potentially tapping into a couple of these in in the next couple of years isn't out of the question like even the idea of an Ironman I'm not sure if you you're familiar with the Ironman like that we we measure it in the metric system so it's a a 3.6k swim 180k bike ride and and then a marathon 42ks don't know what that converts to in miles but even they've become something that I'm probably slightly more open to doing um you know in the next couple of years but yeah that's a long story short it was just I just didn't think it matched my my skill set back in the day
0: Yeah, I gotcha. I hear you. It is encouraging to go to these ultra marathons. And I don't know what the median age of most of the runners are, but I guarantee you it's over age 30. And in fact, there's quite a few people out there that are in their 60s and even 70s. So it seems like it's a sport that's pretty sustainable. Have you ever heard of a guy named Fergus Crawley? Fergus Crawley? No. Yeah, he seemed like a guy that you'd be interested in. I wrote down some of his stats here. I don't know what he's accomplished in the last year, but his shtick is hybrid athleticism. And so let's see, in 2021, he accomplished a 227 kilogram or 501 pound back squat, a sub five minute mile and a marathon all on the same day, dude. <laughs> That's the kind but, of fitness you want. I yeah. find
1: that kind of fitness attractive.
0: And me too, very attractive. But get <laughs> this, the next year, speak, <laughs> speaking of Ironman's, he did a 1200 powerlifting total. I think the powerlifting total is squat, deadlift, bench press. If I'm, I'm I might be off on that slightly, but uh, it's 1200 pounds total. And then he ran a sub 12 hour Ironman triathlon on the same day. <laughs>
1: Man, uh, this is the Pretty this wild. is what I love. This is what I love. Actually, while we're throwing out just fun little stats, one of my favorites is the American marathon record holder right now is his name is Ryan Hall. I don't know if you you know him, but he ran a two oh four marathon. Uh, he was it was the most in, incredible athlete that I, I've. This is a big call, not the most incredible athlete I've seen come out of America because you guys have some of the best. But he's in the distance running world. He's hard to compare to in in my opinion. Um, but if you have a look at and for those of you listening Google Ryan Hall before and after because he spent so many years being a distance runner where his ribs were the most prominent feature of his torso that once he fi- once he finished he said you know what well I'm going to get into the bodybuilding scene and bro he just he took that marathon mentality of all right like this is how you work hard for running i guess you just transfer that same discipline and that same mindset into the world of weightlifting and he looks phenomenal actually he looks too big he's no uh, he looks really? like a yes man he's uh Whoa. he's incredible it's been the most amazing transformation and he's got a a short little clip on youtube i'm not sure what he was what the actual times were but he was doing a he was doing a massive deadlift like he was trying to i don't even want to guess the number because i'll be way off but it was uh from straight into a deadlift uh, wanting to run a five minute mile sub five minute mile and uh I mean, he got the deadlift and I think, you know, spoiler alert, he didn't quite hit the time that he wanted, but it's, it's really interesting just seeing the, the high levels of both endurance and physical strength that are possible with people like that. Hey, it's a, uh, it's kind of mind blowing.
0: That's unreal. I'll have to look him up. I've heard the name, but last I heard he was a marathon runner and I uh, didn't know he was weightlifting. Yeah. So You're into guys like Wim Hof too, right?
1: I'm very into guys like Wim Hof. I, I have a reputation yeah. for a lot of my friends just call me a hippie because whoever's a little bit left of center, I go, you know, what? I'm, I like this person. I'm really interested in this. And Wim Hof was one of those guys that I, I saw his documentary. I think it was called Iceman or, or whatever it was. And it opened with him swimming under sheets of ice. And that just immediately terrified me because I do where the, the ocean over here is a hundred meters that way. And each morning, I'll try and go over and, and I'll just do like a 10 minute swim and it's probably I'm telling you I'm telling you a lot of it, celsius and uh, and our kind of measurements but it's about 11 it's degrees okay. celsius 10 on a really cold day and which for me like, like, right.
0: which is like 28 Fahrenheit I'm yeah, just I get kidding. So confused I'm uh,
1: I, I don't even know Fahrenheit <laughs> so. if that's impressive if that's impressive let's go with that but if it's not yeah. it's probably a little bit colder what 30 30 Fahrenheit's freezing isn't it is that right
0: 32 which
1: makes no sense. Just make it makes zero. Makes no
0: sense. No, I, I totally agree. Your, your, your standards are way better.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. So I'm, uh, I'm really interested in people like that just to, to, to see how far they can, you know, just push the physical limits. And I think maybe for people like us, that is the attraction to, to ultra distance running or, or at least just distance running.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. What, what's hard to do is take concepts like what Wim Hof is proposing and translate that to something like a 200-mile race. Um, but I think that's part of the appeal is making that connection. That's part of the challenge. Mm. What do you think about uh, that?
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I was curious to to pick your brain a little bit because you've got more experience in the ultra-marathon scene than me. You've you've run a couple before, haven't you? I remember so our brother-in-law, Sammy Blackmore, the great man, um, one of the best yeah. men in Medford. Uh, he he, uh, he was <laughs> he was telling me that you'd done a couple of <laughs> of real challenging runs in in your time or real challenging challenges. And I don't know much about it. And I think when we caught up, table tennis was the main focus, so we didn't really focus too yeah. deeply on on our our running stories. But like, what is your what is your sort of history in in the the ultra marathon running scene? Because it's not like you've got an
0: established career in it, is it? It's just something you've dabbled oh. in. Oh yeah, I totally dabbled. I think I've run seven ultras so far, something like that, maybe eight. That's
1: more than I thought. I didn't realize you'd done that yeah. many.
0: I I uh, I love doing things weird and inconvenient and uncomfortable ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's kind of the story, what it comes down to with my ultras. My brother started running ultras before I did. And I think he's the one that kind of inspired me to get into them, but my background is I, I ran track and cross country in high school. I sucked at it. I got varsity letters, but it was mostly a sympathy thing, I think. <laughs> my coach my coach uh, handed, handed it to me when he saw me working hard at it. Um, and it was mostly, I didn't really enjoy it at the time. I just, I did it to get into college. And so I, it was a necessary thing. Went to college, was in the army after that. And My time in college and in the army it really gave me an appreciation for doing things the hard way and being tough and having physical fitness is really a daily lifestyle event um so uh yeah i got into marathons and then ultra running and then back when barefoot running was a fad i was into that for a while and uh everything has everything up to my life has to this point has really just taught me So many things and um, even barefoot running for example it it changed my running form and i still run that way and i have an appreciation for being barefoot and what that brings to the table so it's just kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different things
1: yeah what was the barefoot event you did or is it just a phase of training
0: uh it it was both uh did you ever read born to run
1: uh yes i had something about like a i want to say is it a south american tribe
0: uh, Mexican tribe. Yeah. Mexican yeah. tribe. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, you know, very minimalist, uh, bare, almost barefoot running, if not barefoot. And so that kind of inspired me <laughs> and it did a lot of people. It was a big, this was, you know, around 2008, 2009. And, uh, a lot of people went to those Vibram toe shoes and I had those for a while and that was regrettable and embarrassing, but who cares? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you can um... acknowledge it. I didn't want have to, I
1: didn't want to have to highlight it live on the podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll do it myself. You write the book on running. I'll write the book on self-deprecation. Uh, title <laughs> I could have, be a, I could have a couple of chapters. Conti-
1: yeah, dude, I'll have a couple of chapters yeah. to contribute to that one.
0: That'd be good. Subtitle would be "Don't worry, it's not very good." Um, but I started running, and I did. Let's see, I did the a couple smaller races barefoot, and then I did. A, I did the Austin, Texas Marathon barefoot, and then I did a fifty-mile trail race barefoot and uh, that was my last one at
1: that point dude so are these on road or are these like what's the story obviously the trail ones on a trail but the the austin marathon barefoot is that a just a standard marathon and you said all right i'm gonna do this without shoes yeah yeah that's insane yeah i didn't even know that was a thing <laughs> see i missed this i missed this fad i just would have loved to have been there so are you saying you were running him in those little toe shoes or were you running it completely barefoot
0: no, I got rid of the toe shoes. Once I realized I, I was married at the time, so I didn't need to worry about attracting a mate, but you know, <laughs> they're just not, not cool at all.
1: And honestly, <laughs> I
0: mean, they, they were, they were fine. They, they serve a function, but, uh, and it, who cares if they're cool or not, but I just wanted to go full, full on barefoot. And I was glad I did because it really changes the game. Mm. Did you have any yeah, trouble so- with
1: injury and things as you were transitioning across?
0: No, not once. And in, in fact, it really helped me out. I know I knew of some people that got injured. And I think the reason they got injured was because they just went from, you know, seven millimeter drop shoes directly to barefoot and they'd start running full. Uh, I, eas- I eased into it pretty good. And I think that's what helped out. Um, but I would do things like with that 50 mile trail race. Uh, I trained for that both by running barefoot, but also by I had a bunch of lava rock in the front uh, yard and I put that in a Tupperware and for hours I would just march on it, just hammering my feet and uh, stuff like that. You know, I know that would appeal to you. It, it appealed to me at the time. It worked out great. So
1: well, it's funny. I've got a reputation in this town because uh, it's a fairly small town that we live in. I, I, I don't know. Like it's two, two towns combined. I would guess the, the population is probably a little bit over 5,000, maybe even less when it's winter. Um, but a lot of the time I'm rocking around bare feet just because of of what you said. Like I like the idea. I just find it comfortable to get out of my shoes and it's a bit of a, a, a hippie. Uh, you know, it's affiliated with hippies and stuff at the moment, but it just feels good to get out on the grass in barefoot and out on the sand. And I like to walk over with, with little Charlie boy, uh, uh, take him to the beach and and let him do the same just to, to get a bit of a feel for his feet. I always, I don't know if there's any truth in this, but in my mind it, it, it's doing something for his balance and just helping him get a little bit of a feel for his body and, um, you could probably explain the barefoot scene more to me. I haven't googled anything. I just I just thought, you know what, like while he's not complaining that he hasn't got his shoes, and I'll keep doing it. and uh, and we'll often go over to there's a little car park just before the beach, and it's it's just gravel. And we'll walk across there, and especially after we've been doing it for a while, there's there's not too much flinching going on. And there's always a group of old ladies over there around the same time that we get across, and she's like, I don't know why you I don't know why you're doing this to yourself or your little boy? And I was like, look at him, Does he look stressed? He's the happiest kid you'll see. You know, and then he'll, yeah. he'll step on a, a protruding rock, which will, you know, shake up the system a little bit. But mostly, he's uh, he's like you. He's, you know, he hasn't been practicing on lava stone, but he's he's developed a, a little bit of a capacity to walk across a lot of things that you would be surprised to see an adult, let alone like a little kid, walk across.
0: Absolutely, and as you know, I have three little kids myself, and it's the same thing. They just walk around barefoot so naturally, whereas adults have major issues walking across the most basic surfaces so it's really interesting to see my kids and i we did a hike up north i live in southern oregon of course and uh we did a hike up north and 10 minutes into the hike i said hey guys you guys want to go barefoot just to see how it goes and it was a trail and really rocky and rooted and mostly dirt and mud and they said yeah And all three of my kids went barefoot and it was six and a half miles total. And it's just, it's a great bonding experience. And it's so fun to watch kids do that because they do it so naturally.
1: Well, man, speaking of your kids, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight something here. I didn't realize how much of your mindset they had in them. Like you've got two girls and a little man. And I thought, okay, well, we all went out to, what was it called? Lake of the, uh, Lake of the Woods. I was out at Lake of the Woods with, with the kids and Sammy and, and Sammy had set up like a a big rope climbing thing. I'm not sure if they'd told you about this, but there was a big yeah, rope. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're called. They're like artificial rocks. And anyway, I saw the height of this and Sammy said to me, he goes, mate, like, are you going to come up? And I said, I'll just go up to I feel comfortable. And it was uh, uh, myself, Tom uh, and another friend of ours and um, Sammy. And I got about halfway up and I said, well, I can't, I can't back out now because I'm up here and the whole family's down there watching. And uh, I got peer pressured into getting to the top of that tree. It came down and, then Sammy said to to your three kids, guys, you ready to go? Like we'll just go up to you. Feel you know it's it's uncomfortable. And I think I know Clara and I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't know about Nate, but I'm pretty sure all three of them made it to the top of this tree. I reckon it must have been like maybe 25 meters. I reckon say 20 to 30 meters. It it was a decent tree, and I was up there being nervous, and, and your kids got up and down, looking like they. It didn't sweat them like the, the tiniest little bit. They were completely fine, which was really humbling for me. Uh, yeah. But I guess the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree.
0: Well, it's great. I mean, as you know, that's one of the great things about being a father is you can kind of lead your kids in the mindset that you you know you can't change them for good necessarily, but you can lead them in certain mindsets. And kids really respond to that kind of leadership. If you say, hey, let's go. Let's try this. Let's experience life. This is really fun. Oftentimes they follow. I think people lose that a lot. What do you yeah, think? It,
1: yeah, I, I totally agree. It's funny. I know Sam and I, when I was staying with him for six weeks, he said to me, He goes, uh, It just it does my head in. He goes, I'll sometimes be sitting here changing my little girl's nappy. And it always seems to be at the time I'm either cleaning up rubbish or changing a nappy that I get a message from Dave and he's at the top of some mountain with a beautiful view <laughs> of a sunset, just going, "Hey, dude, yeah. I'm just thinking of you. Hey, you? What are you doing?" And uh, I, I appreciate that. Like I like the idea of, um, you know, beyond running and everything, just trying to help my little kids. I got I got another boy on the way coming next month, and um, I just love the idea of of trying to establish just you know strength and, and, and resilience and things like that even though that seems like a bit of a fat word I just I like to offer opportunities to them where they're sort of forced to they're forced to grow it's like all right you're out here it's just there's no other option you can just sit here and get cold or um, you know we can we can push through it together so I think and honestly I think part of that is is my appeal to the world of um distance running is you learn those lessons and I think because I was a a young guy passionate about improving my running performance I picked up things like uh, consistency um, you know resilience just just showing up to something day after day and then even more than that beyond that having to listen to your body like how am I emotionally like what are my stress levels like am I uh, how am I perceiving my efforts am I am I working hard or am I just imagining that this is working hard or Uh, and always feel as though as a result of that little things like just my ability to pick up when I'm getting sick or when I'm slightly off has been really magnified. And it's been one of the biggest pluses in in my life. So I I like the idea of, you know, exposing my kids and future kids to those kind of situations, just like you for for some of those reasons. But one of the things, man, which I, I wanted to pick your brain about, I've got it written down with an asterisk because uh i I just think you're such an interesting guy to talk to about this is that psychological thing is that psychological challenge like can you unpack that a little for me what is what is the actual appeal to you of whether it's ultra distance running or you know whatever it else it is that you're doing your barefoot running you know any examples that i've forgotten please feel free to throw them in that that keeps you coming back for more
0: Yeah, that's a hard one to unpack. And to be honest, I'm still trying to unpack it myself. There's so many moving parts to it, as you you know. Maybe maybe it's simpler for other people. I I don't know. Um, I don't run just for sheer enjoyment of the run, even though I get that too. But it really is a mixture of kind of an outflowing of my faith and sort of this mindset of if I don't run or do something like it, I'm going to die. So there's a survival mindset. Um, And that that seems extreme, but uh, the homeostasis here is sitting on the couch watching Netflix. And honestly, that is what our culture goes to because it's so easy. And to me, that just spells death. And and the data proves that. If you do that enough, garbage in, garbage out, you're going to die from that. So it's almost like you're fighting against that process. So it's survival, but it's also, to me, um, finding life um i I really i I don't love it when people over spiritualize sports so i I try to avoid that but um it's almost like they're inextricably linked um running is is a factor of life and i feel so much more alive yeah i'm sure you know about eric liddell chariots of fire guy and maybe this is cliche bringing it up but his quote was something to the effect of when i run i feel the glory of god and Mm -hmm. honestly i feel the same so it's it's almost an act of worship and gratitude. Just a couple of days ago, I ran at uh, Silver Falls State Park, which is a state park in Oregon, and it's an awful place, ugly. You should not. No, you should visit it, but everyone else should <laughs> stay away. <laughs> uh, so I ran up there, and uh, I had a really hard time pacing myself because I just felt like I was bursting with gratitude to be there and the fact that I get to run. There's so many people in my orbit that can't walk, let alone run. And I get to enjoy this beautiful place as a runner. And so to me, that that's partly living. Uh, it's hard and it doesn't feel great in the moment sometimes, but that's, that's living.
1: It's really good, man. I've had experiences like that before where you go out and uh, uh, you know, the flip side of that coin is where you go out and everything just comes together beautifully. And these runs, are, I'm not sure about your experience, but they're a little more few and far between. But there's no better high to me than than going out and, you know, doing a long run. Say you might be out for 90 minutes and getting to about 40 minutes and just realizing, oh my gosh, like my legs have hit a nice little rhythm. I'm not breathing too heavily. I'm just sort of flowing. I might have a podcast in the ear sometimes or I might not. Um, And just that experience that you get where things click and you go, oh, okay, uh, this is just, I guess, how life works. You you put in the hard work and every now and then, uh, you know, life just throws you a thumbs up and and things come together and you you feel beautiful as as you're going through the movements. But as you say, it's definitely not the the default mode. That's what a lot of new runners um, bump into, I think. A lot of the guys that I coach are are relatively new or, or newer to the sport. And one of the things they'll they'll get stressed about is oh, I'll I, I felt terrible on today's run, and I go yeah, yep. Yeah. They go yeah, what's that? I go that's running. That, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> and obviously it could be a variety yeah. of factors, and um, you know I, I, I don't skim over it so quickly all the time. But a, a lot of the time, like if you're if you're eating well, you're sleeping well, uh, you're new to the sport, I, well, welcome. I, that's that's how I feel most times I go out for a run. It doesn't feel fantastic, but. But there's something about it when you're sitting on the couch in the end of the night or standing on your lava rocks where you go, what, what an experience that is. I don't know about you, like my brother-in-law, Jesse's younger brother said, uh, like, why do you go out and run? Don't you just feel like you want to sit on the couch? And, and I said to him, it just sort of came out. But when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I nailed that answer. I said, yeah, but sitting on the couch is so much more enjoyable when you've been out for that run. Because you've actually physically oh, yeah. exerted yourself. Your calves are a little bit sore. Your, your hips are a little bit. So everything's just a little bit out of whack. And you go, oh, no, I've, I've earned this. Whereas the flip side of that is, oh, like I should be going out for a run, but I'll just sit on the couch instead. It's a gross feeling. You're like, I'm a slob. I, I shouldn't be doing this. So oh, it's such absolutely. a rewarding sport when you start to understand, um, you know, that, that that discomfort is part of what the attraction is.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, where's your nearest ski hill?
1: That's a very good question. That's a very good question. So I'm in a place called Point Lonsdale, which is right next to the water. There's not many hills here. Maybe, gee, Australians with geographical knowledge are going to judge me for this. I'm not 100% sure, so I'll just give a, a round figure. I'll say it's about two and a half to three hours away.
0: Okay. All right. That's not too bad. That's a sport you should take up if you ever get a chance of backcountry skiing, man.
1: For the same reasons.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's almost better in some ways. I mean, I'm, I'm biased on it, but
1: I feel like backcountry skiing is, uh, I view backcountry skiing in Australia the same way an American would view surfing in Australia. Um, there's like the idea of doing that in America sounds far more scary to me because of the animals that you've got out there that can actually kill you. Whereas here we'll, we'll go up for a backcountry ski and you'll see a fox which will run away from you and you'll see a rabbit which the fox is chasing and then you might every now and then see like a I don't even know if this is true do we have deer in Australia I'm sorry to my brother-in-law he's a he's a keen hunter I don't know the answer but um but what the the physical challenge of that and also it's the combination of just being exposed to nature as well and it's because we're sitting here on a computer right now and I know after this I'll probably go outside and, and go for a walk for an hour or so just to just to get away, I like to go for a walk along the water if I'm not running. And uh, it's just like an ultimate reset. To me, running is, it's just a reset button to the rest of my life. I can be stressed and frustrated and you know, have all these things going on. But if I go out for a hard enough run, it's like, uh, you're good luck worrying about that when you're trying to focus on just getting your breath in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, then it ties into the psychological piece too. And I'd be curious to get your input on it. Um, but some of the places I've been able to go through backcountry skiing. For example, I went to Lassen National Park, which is in Northern California um, a couple months ago. And not a single person, the most beautiful terrain you've ever seen, perfect weather, completely alone, just grinding up mountains. Mm-hmm. And honestly, th- there's there's kind of a guilt there for me personally that I enjoy being alone so much. Um, so I'm kind of curious to know what your mindset or your thoughts are on running or, or sports in general in a community versus doing those sports uh, solo. Do you think you, one should focus on one or the other more? Are there merits to both sides, or what?
1: Dude, it's such a good question. It's such a good question. I think I think for me, the appeal of of distance running was was teaching me to learn the skills that are required for, for me to flourish and like a, on a personal, maybe a selfish level, I, I felt like everything I need to be able to navigate my way through life, um, you know, to a great degree could be picked up through running. The thing I touched on before, like discipline and consistency and, uh, you know, listening to your body and knowing when to recover and things like that. Um, so I think as an individual, like the sport of distance running and, and, and these challenging things has, has been really great, but, I'm also a really huge fan of of the uh, you know the team sports. I grew up playing team sports, and I think socially, like that's um, if if nothing else, the ability just to learn to navigate your way through a group of people with different beliefs and different ideas and different opinions, and some people are, are muppets and some people are great, and and trying to operate as a team there. Like I, I found that um, a challenge, and I'm also I'm I'm also really attracted to the idea of of trying to win over a person who just clearly dislikes me. Like (laughs) if someone doesn't like me for whatever reason, I I like the challenge, which I'm sure is, uh, uh, you know, for plenty of people, motivation to like me even less. But, um, I I love that. I love the flip side of that. So maybe the, the physical, uh, the, the physical challenges of the individual sport is what I'm attracted to, but the social challenges of a team sport is, is something that I like. What about, I don't know. What about you? It's a, that's just my, my initial thoughts. I, not very well thought out but that's you know in a nutshell i think how i how
0: i feel yeah that makes sense no i i appreciate that and it plays into how we raise our kids too which i, I find to be an interesting concept i generally speaking i feel okay with being alone uh i do most of everything i do solo because i'm a single dad i have a weird schedule i'm pretty busy so you know, I'm free to hang out between the hours of 5 to 7 p.m. on Tuesday nights. You know, it's just <laughs> like, yeah, feel free to hang out with me if you can fit, fit me in your schedule. Um, but I just value being out alone so much that um, I'm mostly okay with it. Um, I do wonder about raising my kids. Do I want to encourage them to be around people most of the time or be solo like I am or a combination of the two? I think it's, it's probably just coming down to a healthy balance if I had to sure. imagine
1: yeah cuz even at work like obviously we got a tour of uh of the Cerakote the Syracote factory over there in in southern oregon yeah. and uh, it was really impressive but one thing that stood out to me where you work is there there are a lot of employees there so do you feel you probably get like a little bit of a social fix there cuz i know when i was working full time or when i was working with people uh in fact even now to be honest even now that i work i work for myself i i'm still a bit of a i'm a bit of a loner at heart i love catching up with my mates but I love being by myself. Um, And I think that's magnified when I'm around people all day. I just need to go and recharge the batteries. Do you you feel like that's a little bit of a social outlet for you as well? Or even at work, you're sort of mostly doing your own thing?
0: That's a good point. No, I I tend to uh, discount work, but I spend a lot of time at work around a lot of people. And I, I do, I love being relational with them. So Uh, yeah, I guess I'm making it sound like I'm this psychopathic loner who goes out to the (laughs) mountains all the time, (laughs) 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 but you're right. Uh, I, I work at a great company around some really great people. And I have, we have about 180 employees now, and I have relationships with almost every single one of them, um, to different levels. and. Uh, I'm really close to some of those people. So you're right. I, I do get that fixed there at work. Yeah.
1: But it is something nice. I, I love the idea on the, on the solo scale of things of just going out When whenever I'm stressed, as I said before, I just, I find that's where the dust settles a little bit. I can understand why people, some people like to go fishing. Some people like to go hiking. Some people just like to go out on a boat or whatever. You know, my mom likes to sit on the back porch and, and read the paper or, or have a coffee or a tea. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the the frustrations or stresses or anxieties in my life tend to dissipate when I when I when I'm surrounded by nature especially and when I'm by myself. Actually, Jewel, uh, she was on Joe Rogan about it must have been close to a year ago now. She was a 90s Jewel? 90s. Jewel, yeah, J-E-W-L. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah. Was, do you is remember her obviously-
1: from the I don't think she is. I think no, actually, I think she's uh, born and bred in Alaska originally. If my memory serves oh, me correctly, okay. but um, you would know her song. You would know her. She had about five or six just massive hits in the '90s, and I thought uh, that's do all she to, was. I thought do you want me to sing them? Could yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, but wait, wait till I stop recording because my listeners mean a lot okay. to me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> one of the things, one of the things that uh, <laughs> that she said on Rogan's podcast, which first of all just highlighted to me how much more there was to her than just her ability to sing, was she takes notice in her life of where she's feeling stress and where she's feeling r- relaxed. So for example, for, for her being in front of the computer for eight hours a day might be a state of stress. And, um, you know, being at work with uh, so many people for eight hours a day might generally be a bit more of a stress, but then the flip side of that for her is, um, you know, being down at the beach and, and just watching the sunset or the sunrise and being out in nature or cross country skiing or being a distance runner or whatever. She said for, for those, those elements she feels a sense of freedom and where she can breathe easily and for me running and these things that we're talking about fits into that sense of like like the exhale breath just being able to go like oh this is so nice and I I think I'm just I'm a most of the time I'm sure there's plenty of times that Jesse would disagree but I'm a much nicer person when I've had my my nature fix or my my exercise fix ideally a combination of both than what I am, you know, when I've just been day trading in the morning, or come home after a bomb at a comedy night, or, uh, yeah, it's it's just the uh, the ability to come home and actually be like a little bit nicer person, maybe because you're too exhausted to be anything but that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have no more energy. It's it's really interesting finding people like that. I would you would never suspect that Jewel was thinking that way, but there's so many interesting people out there that aren't runners that have incredibly diverse backgrounds who can offer input on life like that. Really fascinating. Yeah,
1: man, what are you, uh, what are you doing for training now? And I know you said you've got a bit more of a system in place. Is there in terms of a daily routine or in terms of a daily run guide, is there something in particular that you're following or is it, is it constantly changing in these early stages?
0: Uh, my plans are, are set in stone, for about three weeks out each time because my coach keeps tailoring it as we go Um, but with that said he gives me basically a block of things that he needs me to or he wants me to accomplish in that week and Mm -hmm. my job based on my schedule is to fit those in the blocks that I can so it's really nice because generally you know I have two to three sessions of cross training where I'll go to the gym do some lifting uh, or swimming or stair climber what have you Uh, and then I'll Typically, I've been doing three runs a week. So I'll do a workout run. I'll do a long run and then an easy run. The uh, Easy runs are about an hour right now at a very easy pace. The workouts are generally, um, they kind of run the gamut. They, they've been track workouts, uh, you know, repeats, um, mile sprints and that sort of thing. But I've also had one or two time trial runs uh, uphill on set courses. And then um, the long runs, this week the long run was a 2 hour long run at a at a roughly 12 minute pace or something like that so that kind of is has been standard for the last couple of weeks and it's great because my coach is open to things like me skiing still i'm doing i'm challenging myself to ski every month this year so i skied on sunday i just consider that a cross training time and then i did my long run the day after on monday
1: yeah, very nice, man. Now, that's good. I actually, um, I'm working with a bloke who plays Aussie Rules football, Isaac. I just spoke to him on the phone yesterday for the first cool. time. And one of the things, because we're coming into pre-season here, so it's about six months away from the season starting again. And one of the things he said to me is he's keen to start running, but he's also got a love for swimming and he's got a love for the rowing machine. And I thought, oh, that's good. And I think it's important, especially when you're you know, running's not your whole world or not necessarily paying your bills if you've got the opportunity to get off your feet a little bit and give your joints a rest and give yourself a, a chance to recover, at least uh, well recover in the sense that it's not going to be smashing your, your legs necessarily. You might still smash your cardio. It's a positive thing. If you can get back to the running course and, and feel a little bit inspired to, you know, put the, put the running shoes on and get out there for a long run. It's a, it's always a plus. So it's, dude, I reckon that's a, a, like a really cool long-term strategy for this guy. Uh, or oh, well, that this guy's put together for you. How did you hear about the coach?
0: Uh, he's a local guy. He does coaching, like you. He does coaching all over the place, but mm-hmm. um, he, he is a local guy and he's pretty well known in the ultra running community here. But uh, I believe he's a pro, so that's how I heard about him—just word of mouth.
1: Yeah, uh, awesome man. Well, dude, maybe I don't know how keen you are because I know you're a busy man, but maybe we can track your progress a little bit closely as we are, as we get closer to the the big two hundred. I'd love to hear about how things are going and how you're progressing and. Um, especially after it, man. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stories that, that come out of a, a race like that. So it's, uh, there's plenty to talk about. So if you, if you're interested, we'll have to do a, we'll have to do around round two or three.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like you, you know, I'm always learning and I, there's no way that I'm going to grow just in running. So my goal is to grow in mental fortitude and uh, mental strength and overall ability to tackle life. So, uh, the more I can learn, the more I can talk to you about, and I'd appreciate that. Awesome, brother!
1: Man, thanks for yeah. coming on. We'll uh, we'll do it again.
0: Thank you. It's been fun. I enjoyed it.
1: All right, brother. I'll see you later. See everybody. Right.
0: Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com.